show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Experience, business, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Consumer first health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status. No. Yeah, this is the healthcare rep. Y'all, come on, let's go. New choices, new platforms, new care models. In the healthcare of tomorrow, consumers win. But who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? We're here to answer those questions with some provocative thinking about how to create the healthcare that people actually want. Ready to roll up your sleeves, look at the world a little differently, and explore the frontiers of consumer health together? Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Hey, it's Jared Johnson from Shift Forward Health, and here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about the primary care formula. While Costco is the latest retailer to announce a primary care offering built on easier access and cash pay pricing, does the business model and consumer experience have a place in the modern ecosystem of options? I'll talk about that. Then we continue our series with retail health leaders by welcoming Dr. Cray Milford, Senior Vice President of Retail Health at CVS Health. So many people talk about retail health and we're going straight to the source as Dr. Milford shares the role of retail health clinics in today's landscape, how they reduce fragmentation of care, and where they're collaborating with traditional providers to achieve better outcomes for patients. You won't want to miss this one, so it's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the Week. Are we seeing a formula emerge for consumer-first primary care? Last week, I examined Costco's primary care offering for same-day virtual visits as low as $29. The model of immediate availability, cash pay prices, and a limited menu is creating a new class of care that more prominently considers consumers' demands. I openly asked whether anyone could now follow this model. In other words, will this become a standard experience with a sustainable business model? As I previously mentioned, Costco is positioning this as a benefit of membership. It doesn't have to be sustainable on its own. It can even be a lot leader for all we know. Costco patrons renew their memberships each year for the value of someone else curating the best products and offering them at exclusive discounts. They don't need a long-term patient-provider relationship here. They also don't have to treat everything. That's why this makes so much sense for them. Does it make sense for others? Could Target do the same thing or Dollar General? Can it be part of a membership where they keep prices low and avoid the entanglements of anything other than the lowest acuity, commodity-like medical services? Costco is hardly the first to use the model, but is this indicating that the form formula is now becoming a standard, I'd be willing to bet that we have not seen the last retailer try it. So many of our conversations we hear come back to, well, what will health systems want to do about this? But I want to bring this back to consumers, to the everyday people who are trying to navigate how to feel better within the context of everything else they have going on in their lives, work, family, friends, interests, socioeconomic factors, genetics, and every other driver of health. Do we need health systems to offer primary care in this way when we consider all of those factors? I wonder if it might just be too much of a pivot from the status quo. Don't get me wrong, I'd applaud more membership-based primary care coming from trusted providers. That's why I'm an evangelist for direct primary care. But regardless of where it comes from, consumers of all ages will be willing to have more of their basic health needs met from non-traditional brands if it happens more immediately, conveniently, and affordably. Let's continue to monitor whether this business model and consumer experience has a place in the modern ecosystem of options and who will be next to try it. That's another way that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the week.
flow, the flow, the flow. All right, everyone, let's get into the flow. So excited for today's show. Zane is here. Zane, how are you, Ben? Hey, Jared. It's good to be here. I, I feel like I've missed a few episodes, to say the least. So it's good to be back. I've time in my schedule. I am here. So thank you for having me still. Well, we've always got time for you in our schedule. So there's that. And really thrilled to welcome our guest today. Please give it up for our guest, Dr. Craig Milford. Dr. Milford is Senior Vice President of Retail Health at CVS Health. He's responsible for leading the Minute Clinic, Health Hub, and virtual care businesses. And he's a practicing internal medicine physician. Can't wait to dive in. Welcome to the Healthcare Wrap, Dr. Milford. Thanks, guys. Great to be here with you. So when you're introducing yourself at a cocktail party or you know a meeting, what's the thing you say for people who aren't familiar with you or the work yourself? What's that thing that you do to just warm them up to like who you are? Well, I, often I'm asked, well, what do I do? And I say, I'm a physician. And then I say, I work at CBS. And then they say, well, do you, how do doctors work in the pharmacy? And so we have a lot of explaining around like how we're building the level of physician executives coming into CBS and where we're headed with our healthcare services strategy. You know, it, we live in Colorado. And so funny enough, we have a lot of CBSs, particularly within Target, but we don't have any mini clinics, which is the uh, branch that I lead within retail health. And so often in Colorado, people are confused. Like, do you work inside the store somewhere? Like, tell us where you go to work. The next question is like, what's a doctor doing at CVS? And my really important choice to come to CVS was that really healthcare is not very consumer oriented. And CVS is a consumer kind of facing company and thinks about very deeply how consumers interact and engage with the business. And as a doc, it's really refreshing to see how a company thinks about delivering care and in a community very differently. So it's been awesome. I've been here two years and it's been a, been a joy. Outstanding. That really leads into what we'd love to dive into with you today, which is the topic of retail health itself. A good starting point for us could be just to define what that is, especially what retail health is at CVS. Can you walk us through that? Yeah. So if you think about big CVS, you have obviously Aetna, you have Caremark, and then you have our call it 9,000 stores across the country that folks walk into as the CVS pharmacy. Within about a thousand of those, we have mini clinics. Think of that as like a hybrid between urgent care and primary care. And so what we've done over the last year is pulled together our virtual assets, which is virtual urgent care, virtual primary care, and virtual behavioral health, alongside our brick and mortar locations for mini clinic and integrated those so that a patient can access CVS through either virtual services or in-person services. All of that together is really retail health. And what you're seeing in the industry is I think a lot of our peers and competitors have begun to do the same of putting providers inside of a retail box. And you're seeing different formats play out in terms of the types of care teams and the types of patients that that those these large companies like CVS are trying to engage. Interesting. Very interesting. Dr. Milford, what would you say is driving retail health, so to speak, or these retail health clinics? If you were to point to two or three trends in the healthcare industry, what is causing this to, these artifacts to show up, if you will, in the industry? I've been thinking about that a lot because I wouldn't have guessed if I was in med school that I would ever work at CVS, right? Like you don't think of that as a doctor, but I think today we, we might because now we have Oak Street and Signify and these other businesses that have a lot of providers in them. But to your, answer your question, I think 
particularly during the pandemic, we saw a significant shift in consumer behavior. Number one, physician offices were closed, right? You guys recall that probably couldn't get an appointment with your doc because they didn't have virtual care. They didn't have access. And we all were very, both providers and patients were worried about COVID. So I think the first realization that these types of retail health assets within CVS and other companies was through the pandemic. For us, for CVS, Minute Clinic played a pretty vital role in delivering immunizations and diagnosing and treating COVID for all the different communities that we serve. What we saw was also a spike in virtual care. And so as we think about combining virtual with the brick and mortar experience, we see a lot of new customers coming into our virtual experience and then over time coming back into CVS store for other clinical services and or prescriptions or front store items. I think looking out ahead to your point of where retail health could go, it's my belief that the more I've thought through this question of how does the country provide better access to Americans for healthcare that's high quality and lower cost and frankly transparent in the cost and pricing I think that retail health has a major role to play in terms of serving that access need for local communities. Project that out. Some of the studies are showing us that close to a third healthcare, at least primary care, could be delivered in these retail health settings. And that's, I think we probably wouldn't have guessed that five or 10 years ago. But today, given the shopping behaviors and where people are going to CVS and Walgreens and Walmart, these massive retailers and spending their time there, I think it does make a lot of sense to deliver healthcare services also in that setting. Interesting. Well, let's simplify things, I guess, for our listeners. And this might be a silly question, but at CVS Health, are you all cash pay? Do you all accept insurance? Is it a little bit of both? Talk to us a little bit about that from the consumerism perspective. Yeah, we accept all insurances. We have insurance contracts all over the country. We'll also accept cash pay. And all of our prices are on the website. So right now, any of the listeners can go look at our prices. And I'll give you a specific example that I've used for my own family. My wife, she went to an academic medical center, saw an NP for a level three visit. And the bill from that academic center was in the neighborhood of 800 plus dollars. And you can get that exact same service at Miniclinic on our website, this transparent, for $199. So when we think about how do we collectively try to deliver better access, more affordable, high quality care, it really comes down to your question of one, we accept all insurances to your point. Two, the prices are right there and you can make a shopping decision. And I think that's very different from what other parts of our healthcare industry, it's very opaque in terms of your choices around being a consumer and having choice in your healthcare. Well, I know that's true firsthand. I had to go to urgent care the other day and at no point during my experience was I afforded a menu of costs or options to deal with my care. And I got hit pretty hard with the bill. Well, it's pretty frightening, right? You said differently, right? We, I think the other thing to think about for these retail centers is... And you'll hear this kind of out of our story for CVS is flipping the narrative from an episodic view toward a relationship longitudinal based view of how to treat Zane, right? So that you're not just coming into urgent care, but we're developing or establishing a relationship with you. And we did see trends during the pandemic of patients beginning to use the urgent care as like a ad hoc primary care. 
And so we see an opportunity, frankly, to think about the Zanes of the world and how do we get into a longitudinal relationship so that you have a better access point for your healthcare needs and you don't get the sticker shock of an urgent care and it can all be transparent to you as the consumer here. Sounds like music to my ears. Partly one of the reasons why I asked about insurance and cash pay, so to speak, is my sense, even in talking with more traditional healthcare leaders and folks who are maybe laymen who have an interest in healthcare, really, I don't think fully understand what might be currently available to them now at a CVS or CVS Minute Clinic. I think we're all used to going to CVS for pharmacy, which I certainly do, especially when I have a cold or vaccines. But to start to actually get, call it full-on primary care, I think is something that Joe Public doesn't maybe fully understand yet. And so curious, Dr. Milford, if you could paint the picture, what are the types of patients that y'all are starting to serve? And like in a little bit more granular way, what are the services now that can actually be, or examples of services that can actually be dealt with in CVS as opposed to going somewhere else or waiting three months to see your primary care physician? Yeah, I love it. I'm going to hit on one thing. You mentioned prices and transparency, and then to your point of delivering primary care. And as it relates to insurance, a lot of us in this world, physicians and executives think about value-based care. We have contracts around value-based care, but to the point that we just made around the consumer, they really don't have good choices or transparent decision-making around what is true value and how do they participate in actual value-based care. If you think of how all the different contracts flow between payers and providers, it's a one of the opportunities, frankly, before all of us is like, how do we get consumers engaged better with their care and create the healthcare products that they want to engage in over time, thus generating hopefully better outcomes. As it relates to the retail health landscape and services, I think you've got a lot of different models starting to form out in the industry. So you've got our competitive peer set that have different models and have acquired different assets within CVS and Minute Clinic. It's been interesting because the Minute Clinic that probably most people were aware of four or five years ago is, is not the same as what we have today across those thousand stores, the high majority of them, it's almost 960, have primary care services within them. So about 190 services that include wellness and prevention to your specific question, chronic disease management, that's hypertension, hyperlipidemia, diabetes, and so forth, and then transitions of care. So we're actually starting to see this opportunity for Minute Clinic to play a more vital role between kind of the acute areas of care, hospital systems and ERs, and your medical home with your primary care, given some of the access shortages that exist. So said differently, if a patient is discharged from a hospital or ER setting, enabling them to actually have a follow-up visit in a day or two days with a minute clinic nurse practitioner in service of doing the medication reconciliation, making sure they have everything they need it to be safe at home. And that ultimately prevents readmissions, right? And so there's a whole host of services, how I you referenced the cocktail party conversation, how I describe this to non-healthcare friends is think about urgent care and primary care as two bookends of the spectrum. Minute clinic and 
your retail health really sits right in the middle. We do about 80% of what a primary care office would do. And we do most of what urgent care does with the exception of x-rays and fractures and suturing at the moment. I like the way this conversation is going. I think it's delving into some of the questions that we had prepared, but sort of on this same notion here, Jared and I, and James in particular, we spent a lot of time actually chatting with more traditional health system hospital leaders. And I'll say that, and even in my day job, actually, it's my day job to do some of this stuff. And in all the boardrooms I go into and executive teams, frankly, leaders are petrified of groups like CVS, Walmart, you name it, coming into their their communities and potentially disrupting flow patterns, things like that, you name it. And so curious Dr. Milford, what do you think, and I know you just described some of it here, but how do you see like retail health clinics and maybe even CVS partnering more hand in hand with call it traditional hospital systems who may be able to offer those higher acuity services or already own the relationship with the patient, so to speak? What comes to mind there? Well, this is where it's been interesting as relatively new at CVS two years in. And CVS is a massive company, right? So if you think of what Aetna has been doing, they have actually JV relationships for value-based care with their partner health systems. And in those examples, they're driving a new benefit design for patients in value-based care. Within our Caremark clientele for prescription medicines and specialty pharmacy and so forth, we have a vast array of relationships with health systems where Caremark is supporting those systems with all sorts of things, inclusive of programs, but also how to deliver better, more cost-effective drugs with them. Within the health services segment, where Retail Health and Oak Street and Signify sit, I've been really pleased in terms of the responses. I think it was almost two years ago, basically, that Karen Lynch, our investor day two years ago, said we were entering into primary care. And a lot of the reaction at that point was, I think, how you just stated it, which there was a lot of concern. And I would say, I can't think of one. So I'd almost peg it at 100%, but there's always probably going to be one system that isn't highly supportive and collaborating with us on how to make one and one equal three. And so we have lots of examples of that for retail health. So we have a set of health systems that we do work with to augment their behavioral health teams because BH is such a critical need for a lot of communities. And we have a virtual BH program and brick and mortar program. And so we're collaborating with them. Minute Clinic actually and CVS has an ACO reach and ACO program where we have one of the largest set of populations of ACO reach patients in the country. And that's a direct collaboration where we're both sharing the risk, the financial risk, but also more importantly, the opportunity to coordinate the care for patients longitudinally. And we have examples specific to Rush Healthcare in Chicago, where we're working on really cool referral coordination patterns for patients who need a specialist that are ending up in Miniclinic. And conversely, for patients who have an identified gap in their care or a need for a primary care doc, that they can actually see a Miniclinic provider to begin their longitudinal care relationship. And so that's an opportunity. The other area that alluded to earlier in this call, but that we're seeing a lot of uptake from is the ability to augment the current population health capabilities of the systems. So that would include gaps in care outreach. So where systems, they sometimes don't have the, the digital 
pathways and, and even foot traffic that a CVS has, how do we think about capturing those patients that might be from your local health system walking into Minute Clinic and or our pharmacy store or have an experience on our digital app? And how can we help partner with the health system to get that patient engaged in their care and and start by closing gaps in care and frankly, move them into a primary care relationship, either with that system or, you know, inside CBS. So I think we've seen a lot of partnership opportunities. And I actually think this is just the tip of the iceberg as these retail health CVS and our peers start this work with local communities. Great. I think, you know, everything you're sharing here to me is so eye-opening because again, as I said earlier, I, I don't think your everyday healthcare leader fully understands the breadth and depth of capabilities and opportunities that there are to partner with CVS Health and perhaps you know, some, some of your other competitors. And usually, and you've just addressed it for the most part, usually when I hear health system leaders offer some criticism of retail health. It's usually coming from a perspective of, oh, they're driving fragmentation. But from what I'm hearing, I'm, I'm certain to pull off everything that y'all described, there'd have to be integration on a technology layer between a health system and CVS and information flows between both the organizations where appropriate. Am, am I getting that right? I think that's exactly right. I would say my term of the week is how can retail health help democratize healthcare? Meaning how can we make it much more accessible, right? Whether that's in-person or virtual, how can we make it more affordable and price transparent? And how can we continue to deliver high quality care? I think there's a lot of at least for CVS and, and Minute Clinic and Retail Health, we've got a lot of great examples of all three of those. And if you think of part of your question there of the fragmentation of care, I actually put on three different hats here, right? So as the patient, it's complex. It's your story that you told me of going to urgent care and potentially, I'll put words in your mouth here, but doing the right wayfinding and, and figuring out where to go how, what the price point is of that care and what care you need at the right time. And so that continues to be an opportunity, but frankly, a challenge in fragmentation. On the provider side, you're spot on. The fragmentation that exists, unfortunately, we still use facts, right? Like collectively in the industry. You know, if you think about Minute Clinic, we're all on Epic. So all the virtual and the in-person Minute Clinics across the country are all using the same instance of Epic. We're the largest install. And if you think about that, we shared approximately 180 million records last year. And so we have a lot of conversations in local communities where they don't have an appropriate HIE, Health Information Exchange. And Minute Clinic is playing a vital role in those communities to say, if Zane walks in, you then have an epic chart at Minute Clinic, we'll actually transfer that electronically to any other system that's on Epic in the whole country. That's fantastic. And vice versa. And so you think of like that reduction of fragmentation for the providers, I think is important. And then final piece is like, I think there's remains a lot of fragmentation on the payer side, right? In terms of like the risk arrangements and how we think of providers participating in these value-based constructs. And so at CVS, how we think of that is step one, how do we share data across and identify those patients earlier, more often in the manner that the patient wants to be engaged, right? That could be walking into our pharmacy. It could be walking into a minute clinic, or it could be the patient being at home and outreaching to them or engaging them even in their home in the case of Signify. So we've got a lot of opportunity there to 
streamline how we create more value for payers and reduce some of the fragmentation of a lot of different parts and pieces that I'm not certain all create equal amounts of value. That's fantastic. Well, you definitely sold me because my primary care team and the health system that I'm aligned to is on Epic. And to be honest, like I love Epic's gotten, I know Epic gets a lot of heat right now, but my chart and the Epic platform is, you know, not that bad anymore. And you can see everything, see all your labs, message your provider. And so knowing that CBS is on the Epic platform as well, certainly, at least in my mind, would make them a candidate for where I might go if I needed services. I'm certainly a millennial and I love to just have everything in the same app and so. Well, I think like the interesting thing for me as a physician is, CVS has done an amazing job of engaging patients for their pharmacy app, right? So I, this is probably too much information for your users, but I'm on a statin. I think a lot of people should be on a statin. And I get my statin through CVS and it's super easy. They actually deliver it to home. But what's so interesting is actually my CVS app is connected into my Minute Clinic MyChart, right? And so I can both get my pharmacy prescriptions as well as insights into my health records that I've been, which are on Epic within CVS. So the opportunity that we have in terms of kind of those engagement and touch points at CVS, I think we're just starting to scratch the surface of how to think about Zane and your care and the parts of your care vis-a-vis interactions with pharmacy and your prescriptions, your primary care, and then other parts of the healthcare ecosystem. Love it. Love it. Wanted to ask, I know we've been alluding to it a little bit, but curious if you can give us maybe a little bit more details. Obviously, CVS is known for its bricks and mortar landscape. Everyone knows the stores, the logo. But can you tell us a little bit more about your virtual services? What are those looking like? What it presume synchronous and asynchronous telehealth? But we'd love to just for the benefit of our listeners to hear what the digital tools look like that you're using to manage patients' health. If you think of the big umbrella for CVS, there are lots of digital tools, right? The specific one I just referenced is our CVS Pharmacy app, right? Which is probably the most downloaded app across the spectrum. Obviously, for Aetna patients, we have an Aetna app for your insurance needs. And so from an app and digital engagement, there's tens of millions of patients who are engaged digitally with with CVS. And we think that's a huge opportunity, right? Some of that is looking at my prescription. Some of it is my medical benefit if I'm on the Aetna app. Some of it is shopping for Gatorade and whatever healthcare things that they would shop for within a CVS store. I think backing out from that, what we've seen in terms of virtual care delivery is pre-pandemic utilization being somewhere in the neighborhood of about 10% utilization to at the height of the pandemic being about 35%, give or take, total utilization of of telehealth. And then today that's flattened to about 30% or so. What's interesting to me is that you've seen some of our services. So we've got three main products and services. So today, anybody in the country can go on to Miniclinic Virtual Care and get a virtual visit. And what's so cool is it is connected to Epic. So in the event saying that you did a virtual visit and that NP said, well, actually, maybe we should do a strep test and literally walk in and to your local minute clinic, they would have that information. That's pretty differentiated from today's world where most of the virtual visit experiences are fragmented from your brick and mortar in-person experience. And so the minute clinic kind of virtual care experiences your root routine kind of gen med 
what you think of as your traditional virtual care set of conditions that they're treated virtually. We also stood up this year virtual primary care, which is a team-based physician-led model. And for that model, it's integrated with our brick and mortar. And it also uses Epic. And that patient, if it's Zane here, could actually sign up on on your app to look at your doctor and your care team and choose your doc. And then you literally have your doc in your phone and you're able to then access MinuteClinic for your actual in-person needs. I think what's so fascinating about the virtual space is even just rewinding five years ago, none of us knew how to do a virtual exam over video, right? And today, it's in the neighborhood of 80 plus percent of what a primary care doc could do from an exam perspective can be done virtually. And so there's this amazing, and then if you layer in devices and remote patient monitoring and all the other pieces, we may end up in a place where that becomes a pretty important modality for several populations of patients. And then if you extrapolate that, we've traditionally, collectively here, like our industry has thought of Medicare and seniors as not adopting technology. I think the pandemic has taught us that every one of the seniors in the country was FaceTiming with their kids and is very accustomed to using their device, accessing other services, banking and so forth through their mobile phone. And I think we have a tremendous opportunity as a country to think about what is that 66-year-old that's healthy that really wants better high-quality Medicare primary care look like? And I think that just remains an interesting opportunity around these kind of virtual primary care models that could be integrated with brick and mortar. And then finally, so we've talked about urgent care or like gen med, miniclinic care. We talked about virtual primary care, team-based physician-led care that's across the whole country. And then the final product that we have is virtual behavioral health. Okay, huge need there. It's been amazing. And that goes to the national stats of the uptick we've seen in behavioral health. And we're seeing roughly 60 or 70% of our visits as virtual visits relative to in-person visits. It's an area that I think will continue to grow as we continue to have a shortage of high-quality behavioral health. And just to be clear for the degree that you can, but when we say behavioral health, are we thinking like, is it like therapy visits? Is it medication reconciliation, all of the above? Or Yeah, awesome question. I think like for both, for retail health overall, my perspective is how are we delivering better access as quote unquote, the doorway to care. You may end up with a specialist, you may end up with, you know, at a health system with a a need for ER or inpatient care. And in the instance of behavioral health, to your specific question, we've really created a program that's an LCSW first model. So talk therapy. And then in the event that you need higher level care from psychiatry, we're able to refer you in network to a convenient uh, psychiatrist that would be the right fit for you. That's fantastic. I don't, again, I, this conversation has been so elucidating because I don't, really, maybe it's my own ignorance. I never realized that CBS was a leader in that space as well. And so just fantastic to see all the services that y'all are bringing to market through retail and digital modalities. 
Maybe one final question here, because I know we're getting at time, but Dr. Milford would love to ask you more from a leadership and culture and your own personal journey, because certainly this isn't your first rodeo in healthcare. I'm curious, what has been surprising to you or one of the biggest learnings since you joined CVS and have been more in this non-traditional retail health space? What have been just some things maybe you didn't expect or big learnings that have come to mind or mindset shifts that you had to adopt to be successful in what you're doing today? Awesome question. And I would say a couple things. As a physician, we're trained to see the patient in front of you. And I would say in a very traditional sense, most of our med school programs and residencies train that the patients will come to me. I will go to my clinic and the patients will show up. And I think that outside of the clinical data of like your hypertension and your diabetes and all the clinical things that you learn in medicine, you don't really learn anything about population health, how to use data, how to think about engaging patients, how to think about the satisfaction of that provider and that patient in that trusted relationship. And step back and think about what I've learned at CVS First and foremost, every discussion is grounded in like, what is that consumer experience going to be? And will that be good enough to keep and retain that consumer, which is something in healthcare as physicians, at least we don't always think about. And then second is just the tremendous use of data across CVS around how we think about, by way of example, we study NPS, Net Promoter Score, different levels of a patient's journey. And we can identify the step-offs of where patients become dissatisfied with care. And we collapse on like, okay, this one area of our patient journey is not working how we anticipated. Let's study the data, use it, and advance patient journey in a way that benefits, frankly, the patient first, and then serve CVS in in service of creating trusted relationships with our patients. So I think that consumer-first mindset, leveraging data in a very intentional way, and then it's been, I've been really proud to be a part of a team, just really impressive operators, people who execute. And I joke with my friends who think about joining CVS, I'm like, this isn't academia and it's not the government. It's every week, every day, you're going to deliver on this promise that's going to improve healthcare. And so we're not resting, to put it lightly, which I find refreshing, but it's a different way of thinking about the world as opposed to we'll get to that in a month or in a year. I think CVS is pretty focused on we will solve the problems right now today and, and continue to drive our agenda forward. That's fantastic. I'm for I know our listeners can't see us, but I'm smiling and laughing on the inside only because even this wet even this week I've had like 10 discussions with call it more traditional hospital leaders who are just starting to think about NPS. They're trying to figure out how to calculate it. They're starting to adopt the language of design and journey mapping. And they're just so new to those tools and that way of thinking. And so not surprised that retail-based organization like you all is already there and already putting that data and that practice into action to improve experience. So it's certainly validating for everything uh, that I do in in my day-to-day work. And so I really appreciate it. Just to put a fine point on that, right? Like we use a common metric for NPS across the entire organization, and then we study it at every level of the patient journey across CBS. And then what creates action is it's actually part of executive compensation, how we think about NPS. So it's a lot of credit to Karen Lynch and our HR team said it's a really important thing, and they've 
put it as a part of our the way that we want to think about the world and be rewarded. So I think like to your point of the health system execs, I don't hear too many of them saying, hey, like my bonus or something else is tied to like an excellent patient experience. And I think if we thought more about that collectively as a healthcare system, I think we'd be a lot better off change the incentives for our leaders. I feel like we're gonna have to have you on the podcast a few times because everything you just said in that final comment connects back to a lot of topics we've been chatting about over the years on the healthcare app. And one of them is that always to do well in consumerism or digital health or you name it, ultimately boils down to rethinking org design and compensation structures. And so no surprise that you all are thriving in this space and it's actually tied to your comp. And then maybe the final anecdote I'll leave as more of a laugh is I will never forget being in a boardroom where we're proposing NPS as a a new measure that this health system should adopt. And they said, no, we're not going to do that. And we said, well, why not? And they said, because the score would be so low. Why would we do that? I'm like, well, you start somewhere, right? As long as you improve it, you're good, right? So anywho, we can ramble about that forever. Well, I got to put a plug in. Look, our Minute Clinic NPS is above 80. Wow, that's good. And you think about like how low general NPS is to your point in healthcare. Yeah, negative usually. Yep. And the reason why it's 80 is like we attack it from every angle like, and we take it very seriously. So I think you have to have that real consumer mindset to, to really make a lot of progress. Well, maybe in another show, if you agree to come back or other members of your team would love to dive into like the tools and the mindsets and like literally, how do you do that? Because Jared and I and James suspect that traditional healthcare doesn't even have the tools or the knowledge or the right people working for them to tackle some of those questions. So maybe that could be something we deal with next time. But with that, I'll turn it, I think, to Jared, who had a few more questions or wanted to close us out. I'm just in awe. I really am. It's been so wonderful to speak with you, Dr. Milford. Thanks so much for giving us so much to think about today. I wanted to ask what the best way is for listeners to connect with you. I know I've been following you on LinkedIn for a while, and I love seeing the photos when you stop by a clinic and you meet with some of the leaders in a clinic in various parts of the country. I, I love seeing that, like the story of retail health playing out and the leadership involved there. Is that the best way for people to connect with you is on LinkedIn or wh- what do you usually tell people? Yeah, LinkedIn. And to your point, just public service announcement. I got my flu shot in Mesquite, nice. Texas. Right. Uh, last Was it last week? And so I encourage everybody to, de- to get your flu shots and, and frankly, your COVID vaccination the service of our public health for, for the country. But that's my greatest joy is being in front of our providers and meeting our frontline staff who are really making a big difference in the communities that we serve. So it's a real privilege. 300 episodes in, Zane, and I feel like we're just starting to understand the concept of retail health. It's amazing. Uh, thanks so much for giving us so much to think about. That's a wrap for this episode. We've had the absolute pleasure of speaking with Dr. Craig Milford from CBS Health. Thanks so much for joining us today. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Tell your colleagues to tune in for all the awesomeness, then leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. This show is produced by Shift Forward Health, the channel for changemakers. Subscribe to Shift Forward Health on your favorite podcast app, and you'll be subscribed to our entire library of shows. See our full lineup at shiftforwardhealth.com. One subscription, all the podcasts you need, and it's all for free. And remember, we might have a lot of work to do in healthcare, but we'll get there faster together. Thanks again.